meet the motherboard. Five lawyer moms, 13 kids, and that includes three sets of twins. And a whole lot of opinions. Hi, and welcome to the motherboard. I am Taylor Ponce. I am one of the five mothers of the motherboard. I am the one who specializes in workers' compensation defense. But today, I have the pleasure of having Melody Kila with me. Um, Melody specializes in a totally different area of the law. She's been practicing for 11 years, specializing in all aspects of complex civil litigation with a special focus on personal injury defense, trucking and transportation law, premises liability, and negligent security. So I am honored today to be your host on what we're calling the Motherboard Snack, which is a little bit of a shorter than normal episode where we get the chance to dive in and get to know one another a little bit better. And Melody can tell us what all those good buzzwords actually mean. From my experiences with Melody over the last seven several years, my impression of her is that she might not be the loudest in the group, but you never want to sleep on her. Melody is consistent. She's reliable. She delivers. And at the end of the day, she's the type of person that just gets it done. So I don't know about you, but I would want someone like that on my team. So I am excited to get to know more about you, Melody. Welcome. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for having me. So why don't you start off by just giving us a very quick thumbnail sketch of your background and how you ended up at Drew Eckle. So I actually uh, was born in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is people sort of think is kind of strange and unique. Um, but I also grew up for all of my life until I um, graduated college. I grew up in California. Uh, so I am, you know, started out as a West Coast girl. I ended up going to college um, as a biology major, actually. I wanted to be a dentist when I went there. I had had braces my senior year. Um, and that was just very traumatic as a senior <laughs> high school girl. I had a similar experience. So I became obsessed with taking care of my teeth and then somehow thought that the dentist was the way for me. Well, I quickly learned um, after I got a D in the uh, biology major statistics class and the, the gen general level biology class, I was like, okay, obviously something is not right here. This is not for me. So I tried to do business. Business was not for me either. And then I, I, I did political science, which I loved. I absolutely loved everything about being a political science major. But then when you start getting towards the end of college, you start thinking, well, what am I going to do with this degree? So I decided on eventually after class in college, I decided on going to law school. I actually did very uh, bad on the LSAT, right? The test that you take before you go to law right. school. Um, I got, I think I got a 154 maybe, which, which is pretty bad. I feel like the highest score was 180, right? Um, yes. So I, I applied to a bunch of schools with the hope of one day transferring back to California. And I landed at Michigan State University because it was the biggest name school I got into. And I thought people in California would recognize that, right? Right. So I go there and I actually do very well my first year of law school. And I'm one of those crazy people who actually really loved law school and the studying and all the craziness associated with it. So I, you know, I, I got teaching assistant positions. I got a scholarship. So long story short, I stayed in Michigan. I ended up meeting my husband, my now husband, um, Nick Keela there as well. Um, and he, he is from Michigan and hates California and at the time, I hated Michigan. So we had to figure out where are we going to live? 
So I always just joke and tell people that we threw a dart at a map and it landed on Georgia. Uh, the truth is we graduated when the recession was happening, right? And so there were no legal jobs around. So my path to direct loan front was actually a little bit untraditional in that my very first job out of law school in Georgia was working with a technology company as their in-house counsel. And they had never had in-house counsel before. Um, and it was this crazy task that I took on because I was very much over my head all the time, but I ended up helping them with general things like establishing policies and procedures and, you know, things like that. Um, I knew pretty quickly on that that was not the path I wanted to start with because I felt like I wasn't learning enough and I needed, I was still in that phase where I needed to learn. So I ended up applying for and getting a job at a, um, a boutique real estate litigation firm. I worked there for about three years. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't a good fit for me personality wise and, and long term wise. And sometimes that happens, you know, in relationships, all relationships, including employment ones. Um, and I actually just on a whim interviewed um, or sent my resume to someone at Drexel and Farnham that my husband actually knew. And I ended up getting an interview and I loved the people. Um, and it really has just been such a great experience uh, before I came to Drexel and Farnham. I was literally researching anything I could do to try to have another career because I was so unhappy in my life, in my job. And in really coming here has changed that. So tell us more about what your practice is. What is your specialty? So I specialize, I mean, I, to explain it in, in just layman's terms, I do personal injury defense, right? Um, so a lot of those cases vary. But mostly I specialize in um, personal injury defense related to trucking and transportation issues. So representing um, motor carriers who operate um, throughout the United States or in Georgia specifically. Um, I also represent a large apartment complex management company that operates in the Southeast. And so those types of cases are anything from you know, small slip and falls to um, negligent, negligent security shooting cases. Um, and I also recently, um, with the help of a collective group of my uh, partners, was able to um, get a new national client uh, where we represent a technology network company. Um, so sort of in those areas is, is what I've sort of grown and gravi gravitated towards. And it's really a lot, a lot of transportation focus. And what's your home life like? I know you have a husband, you said, who's a lawyer. Uh, who else do you have at home? I do. So, yeah, I have a husband. Um, he he is an equity partner at his own law firm, um, you know, in the, the suburbs of Atlanta. I have a seven-year-old daughter named Finley. She's in first grade. Um, she goes to a Catholic school and is, you know, just had her birthday and is, by all accounts, just so fun and crazy and insane <laughs> in a good way. And I have a seven-month-old daughter named Charlie, who was just born in July of 2020 during all the craziness. So what's something not to do with work, but just what's something in general that surprised you about being a mom? You know, one of the things that my husband and I, we used to be really in, big into CrossFit. And so we used to go to CrossFit all the time. And, you know, you we were so into and consumed with working out that we would laugh at those parents who might not have been in the best shape and, and told us like, oh, well, I just don't have time because I have kids. We used to laugh at that thinking like, oh my God, everybody has time, right? Right. I think that you don't realize how 
time consuming and, and just all consuming being a parent is literally every aspect of every single day of our lives is doing something for somebody else. And most of it is stuff we don't want to be doing, right? Like right. I don't want to be sitting at the playground watching my kid play with some kid I don't know necessarily, but I'm doing it because we love them and we like to see them enjoy and have fun. So I just think how all consuming it is. I don't think you understand that unless you're a parent because it, it just really is so all consuming. And now I am one of those people who says, I don't have time today to work out. Exactly. No. I know sometimes at the end of the day, I'll look back on how the day went and, you know, I'll have a work day where I might build 10 hours. And then the second I'm done, I go and I'm making dinner for three kids, three baths, you know, three bedtimes, packing lunch for the next day. And I, I have to laugh because it's just so much is accomplished. And in that day, and it's like, I went from one job to the next job and then usually right back to the first job, you know, so it, it, it truly is incredible how much we do in a day as parents and lawyers. Tell us a little bit about your path to partnership at Drew Eckle. You had a very unique uh, position in that you made partner when you were having your second child. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. If you saw that as a benefit, if you saw that as a challenge um, and sort of how you handle that and what types of issues came about in, in making partner while having a baby in the same year. Yeah, I, I became a partner. Um, I want to say five five years or six years after being at Jericho and Farnham, because I had come over with some experience uh, that, and that was January 1st of 2020 was the official day. And, you know, as you know, March, 2020 was sort of when the world ended. I was pregnant with Charlie at the time. I think I was about, I wasn't even 14 weeks because I wasn't telling anybody the day that it became official. Like I wasn't telling anybody yet, but I, you know, it had been a long time coming this plan, these discussions about me becoming a partner, but what hadn't been a long time discussion was what to do about being pregnant and being a partner, you know? Um, and so I, I actually made the decision to tell the person who was putting me up for partner or nominating me to the rest of the partnership. I made a decision to tell him, even though I wasn't telling anybody else, because I felt sort of like I owed him a duty. Not that I expected him or the partnership to respond differently, but I just wanted it to not look like I was hiding it, you know, like, oh, she, right. you know, hid this. And and I didn't, I didn't want to start off my partnership in a wrong way. And, you know, nobody questioned it. Nobody, nobody said anything to me. And I was not, again, not, not that I was expecting it, but on the other hand, I was very surprised because there just are a lot of people who don't understand like we've talked about, we don't understand what it's like to be a parent or a mom. Um, not necessarily at our firm, but just in, in life in general, because of their age. And I just, you know, I, I was very worried about that affecting me being put up, affecting what people thought about me and maybe even affecting people's expectations of like, Oh, well, we can't expect the same out of her anymore or, you know, anytime in the future. So I was really worried about that. And I so worried. In fact, that I think I've talked to you about this Taylor, that i have my own, some, a few of my own clients. And I actually didn't tell some of them that I was pregnant because of, I was worried again, you know, I'm a, I'm a brand new partner, I'm pregnant and I'm going to tell these clients that I'm pregnant and maybe they're not going to send me work, you know? And you're already dealing with the pandemic. Yeah. It's just from that. And, you know, I will just say that that whole aspect of being pregnant the year that I was put up for partnership, um, when, 
childcare for me had never been an issue while I'd work at Tech Direct on Farnham because my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter was, you know, a little bit older um, throughout all those years. And I just never had to deal with a childcare issue in the, in the same sense as a baby. Um, but I was so pleasantly surprised from all angles. You know, everybody was very supportive, um, whether it was clients, colleagues, friends, um, you know, the people who were even expecting me to maybe handle a trial while during this time period, they, they were okay with this, right? And, you know, with regard to the whole year, everybody was very supportive. And I actually, you know, we just talked to some people um, on, on, on our board um, about this and, you know, they had nothing but great things to say. And I was just, I'm very pleasantly surprised by people's reactions and my ability to do what I could during the pandemic while pregnant. Tell me what one of your pet peeves is professionally. And then what's one of your pet peeves just as a mom? So I guess professionally, I'm like, I am one of those people who, and I don't know what you're like on this issue, but do you justify or not justify your writing? If you're submitting a pleading or discovery. It depends. I do. And I don't on different things. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so picky about it. It's almost, and I don't have OCD or anything or, you know, the kind of compulsiveness where everything has to be totally even, but for some reason, that's a very big pet peeve of mine (laughs) is the justifying and the spacing more than one space after a period. I mean, I just like that stuff drives me nuts. I get it. What about as a mom? What's one of your pet peeves as mom? Oh man. Just one, (laughs) just just one. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I, it's, it still is the, um, it's hard because, you know, not all kids are the same. My daughter, when she was younger, used to have the kind of meltdowns where she would like flop on the ground and noodle, but I've talked to people not to laugh. Yeah. And I've talked to people whose kids never did that, which is insane to me, but she got out of that and, you know, grew out of it. And now she's sort of starting to do the same thing, but not with her body on the floor, you know, where she's just throwing these temper tantrums that make me feel like she's a teenage, a preteen. Right. I mean, she's seven. So that sort of is a pet peeve of mine of this, like, you know, and it might be a product of her not understanding her emotions all the way yet and still sure. not knowing how to respond. And that is very hard for me to walk that line of this is so annoying right. to like, okay, encourage her to figure out how she's feeling and to, yeah, express, or herself. to express herself. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and, and honestly, when I, when she was younger, I am one of the moms who I, I will spend time with her all day, but I did not ever want to play make-believe. I hated make-believe. <laughs> I don't know if you're one of those, but I hated it because we're literal creatures. I mean, we're lawyers. We, if it's, you know, it's, it's gotta be black and white for us. I mean, yeah. I mean, my husband was very good at it, but I think maybe he like men are just better because they're like forever kids or whatever. Right. <laughs> so those, I guess those would be my two is, is dealing with the process of the emotions of, of the kids and walking that line of, okay, you need to cut this out to letting them figure it out. Right. And then just the make-believe. So I'm not looking forward to that with Charlie. That's funny. So Melody, you've obviously been a huge success story at the firm. What do you credit the majority of your success to? So I know that the person I'm going to be referencing when I'm talking about this is going to be so annoyed that I say this as one of my reasons why I'm successful because he doesn't ever think that what he does helps 
you know, is it, or is the reason that somebody is successful. But I like 99% of my success at the firm, well, maybe a little bit less. <laughs> maybe a little too much less. credit. Maybe a little bit less. A large part of it was mentorship that, that I had um, through a colleague of mine who took an effort from day one, you know, to get to know me, to encourage me. He came in my office. I mean, literally every single day, sometimes he comes into my office and says, well, last night while I was at home, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about that. And you really should think about doing this. And it's not always good things. You know, sometimes he would come in and he would say, okay, you're not going to like this, but I think what you did here was, you know, you should have done it this way. Right. Um, so this, this was years and years of that. That's just so beneficial. I, I can't even explain to you how much his encouragement and support have benefited me. And yes, it took my effort to go finish the things that he had recommended for me. Right. But a lot of times I don't know that I would have thought about that. And I wouldn't have had that insight because, you know, he is more ahead of me and he's gone through these things already. And another thing I would credit is really being treated as an equal by my colleagues and partners while working at our firm. For example, um, in 2019, I think it was maybe mid to late 2019, um, we had gotten an opportunity to submit an RFP to a national transportation networking company. Um, and I was included, um, in, in, along with another one of my, one of our podcasters, Whitney, uh, we were included as an equal on the opportunity to pitch to this client. And you were senior associates at that point? We were senior associates at that point, and we would have been, we would be partners on January 1, 2020. So through the beginning of this process, we were senior associates, and we went with everybody to the location where their central headquarters were, where the interviews were conducted in person. And we were given the opportunity to participate in the pitch just as everyone else did. And that really, you know, gives you confidence in how to talk to prospective clients. And it lets you be in the room to see how the more seasoned, you know, attorneys pitch and talk about themselves and their business and our firm as a whole. Right. That if you're not in, if you don't have those experiences, then how are you supposed to know how to do it when you are at the partnership level? Exactly. And so, you know, we, we were involved through the entire process and treated as an equal. And so now that we have, you know, had the opportunity to be working for this client now, I don't feel like, oh, well, you know, I, they're just giving this to me or this is something that they gave. It was really something that we all went in together collaboratively. Now, I understand that I would have never gotten that opportunity by myself, right? right? I understand that the more seasoned and senior partners who we were collaborating with and working with on this pitch, it was because of them, the initial draw, but we, to have the opportunity to contribute as equals was really just so beneficial, like you said, and really, I don't know where else I would have or could have gained that experience except for being in person and doing it. Right. There seems to be this old notion that you have to have gray hair to have your name or your face on something, but it seems like the trend is clients want to see a wide range and diverse um, attorneys making up their teams. Yeah, they, they really do. And, um, I, you know, this particular client was very interested in diversity as well. Um, and I don't think that they, you know, I think they were, they were drawn, like I said, more towards, 
you know, somebody more senior, but that doesn't mean that they discredited us. And they actually, when we work with them on a day-to-day basis, they listen to us just as much as they listen to anybody else. Right. And so that's a good feeling. And, and it's nice to know that we were given the opportunity to be seen as an equal and, and to have this option, which I think is very important because a lot of, you know, attorneys in our position, like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, um, I guess 20 years is a little bit more, but like 10 or 15 years of practice, we're starting to work on growing our books of business. And a lot of, you know, our colleagues don't have business that, you know, their senior partner is going to hand to them. And so this is a great opportunity. And and I really hope that other senior leaders in, in firms throughout the United States, I hope that they are giving opportunities to senior associates and younger non-equity partners um, like we were fortunate enough to get. Right. It helps us learn how to build our own book of business and that helps the firm as a whole. And Taylor, you and I were actually also included um, as equals in a pitch a few years before. Yes. Um, Yes. And it was awesome. And we preached collaboration and I think that was the draw. Yeah, absolutely. So, in, in finishing off this interview, this little snack, Melody, I, I have to say as moms, um, we don't ever get enough credit. We're never in any of the pictures. So here's your opportunity. Give yourself a little humble brag. Tell me something that people wouldn't otherwise know about you and just brag about yourself for a second. It's funny that you say that we're never in pictures because we're we are, not. We are never in pictures. Only selfies. Or when I have to literally ask my husband to take a picture and of he takes me doing most, something cute with my kids. And he takes the most <laughs> terrible picture with right. your eyes closed. Right. My eyes are closed. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, you know, I am not domestic. Like, I, I do not love to cook or clean. Uh, but I am very good at multitasking and getting like loads of laundry done and, and feeding the baby with one arm and doing all these things where I think a lot of times men men tend to complain about or only do one thing at a time. You know, like I'm feeding the baby, I'm picking up the toys, I'm doing and, you know, all not any of that is stuff that I enjoy doing. <laughs> but I am the queen of um, also getting laundry done and folding it and not putting it away. But if it wasn't for me, he... I, our kids would not have clothes or food (laughs) and the house would not have food. Mine neither. Mine neither. Well, Melody, thank you so much. Um, I enjoyed learning more about you and just appreciate you giving us all this good information. Thank you all for listening to the motherboard. We look forward to having you next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the motherboard. Thank you for listening to the motherboard. Thank you for listening to the motherboard. Bye, returning mothers. Never bored.